0: Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Say What You Mean. I am your host Jeff.
1: I am your other host Jake. What's going on, dude? It's been a pretty slow week, which is something I've needed. Me too. Honestly,
0: I haven't really done much of anything. Yeah. Oh, oh. What did you? What Hmm? tomorrow? Okay. I'm going to Slayer. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that'll that'll
1: ramp up your uh, your week. Yeah. You told me about that. I think you bought those tickets. I didn't buy them. Well. your uncle bought them. No, a family member bought them. <laughs> yeah. Somebody
0: bought them for Somebody you, did buy and them. you
1: told me about it at graduation rehearsal.
0: Oh, it's been that long. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Um. No, my, uh, my which is step- why I don't remember it yeah, as well. My stepdad, he was just like, "Do you want to go to Slayer?" And I was like, "I don't really listen to Slayer," but I was like, "Well." Uh, how much are tickets? He's like, don't worry about it. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, yeah, for sure. Well, in that case. And so then he uh, he calls me back and he's like, hey, your brothers are going with us. And uh, it's my brother Andrew and my brother Pat. And I was like, oh, okay. That'll be super cool. So then I go and I, I visit my parents and I'm talking to my mom and she's like, hey, are you excited for Slayer? And I was like, I mean, yeah, it's going to be really interesting just to be in that crowd, you know, and she's like, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to see th- what the crowd's like. I was like, wait, you're going. And so my mom's going and then all of us guys. And then I guess my stepdad's best friend and his wife are going. So I, I don't really, I'm not really, I, I don't really care for the bands because I'm, I'm either, I'm not either way about them, but mm-hmm. I'm going mostly for the experience and hopefully I have some good stories to bring. Oh, it'll be,
1: that'll be a crazy, that would be a crazy concert. Yeah. Slayer has changed their sound so much. Well, like, they used to be kind of an 80s hair metal band. Well, thrash metal
0: yeah, is kind of what they've been. Um I don't know if they're the same. I don't know. I don't know. But uh we'll see. Hmm. It's going to be... It's
1: going to be a fun experience.
0: Yeah. I, I just have this... I kind of have this... I don't even... A disdain, maybe, for metal fans um, even though I am one I do like metal music but mm-hmm. when I was like 18 and I was in a metal band and I was the lead singer I just was very uh, I don't really like it's weird when I'm up there and I'm performing I like the attention I want people to be in and I want people to be having a good time mm-hmm. and interacting with the crowd that's fun for me but as soon as I get off like don't talk to me so <laughs> people would come up to me like hey like great job I love your music I love your band like and I'm like, cool. have you met Ted? I'll go, I'll go, (laughs) have you met Kyle? And Kyle's the drummer. And then they'd talk to Kyle and I'd walk away. Nice how I met your mother reference. Yeah, I did that for you. Um, but then when I was in, uh, splash attack, the pop punk band, I was the bass player and nobody cares about the bass player. So it was perfect. I bet. So I just go up there, do my thing, come down and then just hang out and just with my family or anyone that's come to to see me. And then I'll just hang out with them. And then everybody else has to deal with people. (laughs) Um, but I will say, you know, the metal crowd is just like angry. You know, I remember playing a show one time and just being up there, and the song ends, and I look down, and my brother's face is just covered in blood, and I'm like, w-, I'm, you know, what happened, dude? And he's like, uh, everyone's like, blah, blah, blah. I can't really hear. I'm like, what? And they're like, his nose is broken. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was like, whoa, uh, leave, go to the hospital. And he's like, metal. I was like, all <laughs> right. So you and your brother are both big like metal. I mean, he metal likes fans. metal music, okay. yeah. So I mean, he kind of likes everything. Mm-hmm. Um, country. He likes a lot of like hip hop and rap and stuff. Gotcha. Um, gangster rap. He loves like gangster rap. It's so funny. Um, But then, you know, I'm playing in a pop-punk band as a bass player, and it's a bunch of, like, 16 to, like, 20-year-olds just, like, dancing and, like... So what is pop-punk? I mean, like, Blink-182. Oh, okay. You know, uh, those kind of stuff. You've heard Splash Attack, haven't you? Mm Mm-mm. Wow, you're a terrible person. (laughs) (laughs) I'll show you it. Okay. Um, But just very poppy kind of rock. And... That crowd is just there to have a good time and there to have fun and not to break each other's noses. Mm-hmm. So I kind of avoided metal shows. I haven't really gone to I've been to metal shows a lot like when I was in the metal band, but yeah. it's been about that long, so maybe ten years. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll be interesting to go to this show. Yeah. Uh Kyle Toon's going. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I was like, Hey, are you going? And he's like, Yeah, I got I got last minute ticket in the pit. And he's like, I'm showing up at 8 a.m. to 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 get as close as possible. And I'm like, you are an animal, dude. Yeah, dude. And uh, he's like, are you excited to... I can't remember what he said, but basically, like, are you excited to, like, see the crowd and the way that people are? I'm like, honestly, I don't really listen to this band. That's half the reason I'm going. It's <laughs> just, just to see, just to people watch, you know. For sure. So, Dude, people watching at concerts is the best. Uh, it well is. It's, th- it's the best. And this crowd will be so interesting. So, with Slayer's... Last tour, quote unquote, we'll see. Yeah, but I mean that's what they're saying for sure. So Molly um, Crew
1: had like five last yeah. tours before their
0: final Crew one. Crew always does that crap. They're so annoying. Um, so we'll see. Uh, that's I'm really hoping I have at least something to tell you um i'm gonna be like a hawk just watching everybody so i can be like i should bring my little brown notebook and just take notes (laughs) about things that i see
1: i was at a country concert at this fairgrounds during when the fair was going Mm -hmm. oh you went out there Mm -hmm. yeah i went to uh gary allen who's kind of an um i wouldn't call him new country but he's been around for a while right and he but he's not really like old like alan jackson but he's mm-hmm. kind of like toby keith era when toby keith was really big okay. if this makes any if this gives not you any really. sort of frame of reference a
0: little i mean it's not new country it's, but not, it's not it's not bro country it's right. not
1: like this new stadium country that's out and but and he he makes good music in my opinion okay. to my taste i think it's as close to like real co- like what's traditional country mm-hmm. that you're going to find anywhere performing today really
0: right. so is that included so do you buy a fair ticket and then you get to go to the show for free or do you have to buy a show ticket to get into the show so
1: if you want to sit like in like the stadium like in yeah like lawn chairs close to the stage you have to buy a ticket okay but it all of the bleachers Uh in the back
0: are Uh open for public Okay, is that in the same place where they do, like, the monster uh-huh.
1: a- oh. oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so they do some major renovation, <laughs> okay. like, pretty quickly. Okay, I know. Okay. Yeah, so it was the first day of the fair, and Kylie and I went. She got free tickets through her work. To and go to the fair? To go to the fair in that concert. So oh. we got to go actually sit, like, in, you know, close to the stage, which was really cool. Yeah. Because he's somebody that both her and I grew up listening right. to. So, But, dude, people watching was the best. And I wouldn't say, like, this guy's, like, a huge country artist, but there was people there who knew, like, every word to his songs. Songs that I had never even heard on the radio. It was really cool. But this one dude caught my attention and it was towards the end uh-huh. and everybody's getting drunk and he's got his phone, right? And he's like doing his whole selfie bit and he's got it oh, like up and he's like, no. s- he's like spinning around, like singing, trying to like sing to the words of these songs that he clearly didn't know. Uh-huh. And then he gets to the point where there's this huge American flag in the back, right? Oh, and gosh. he stops and then yells, America as loud as he can. <laughs> Like and then like raged too hard and he had to go get a beer. And oh. he just like up and walks off. He peaked, he peaked <laughs> he just peaked like, oh and god. had to go, and had to go get another beer. He <laughs> emptied the tank on <laughs> screaming America. Oh man, it was just the most uh oh god. That's funny. Was, it was painful to watch. People
0: always ask me like people have asked me, are you going to the fair? Are you going to the fair? I I went to the fair for the first time last year. Um and I only went because I got free tickets and I feel like after doing it and experiencing it um i I'll only go if I ever like fall into free tickets. Mm-hmm. I don't really think it's something that I would pay for yeah, um, you know that massive ride that like swings back and forth yes. and it spins at the same time terrifying. have you been on it? I don't go on rides, oh, I don't go on any rides of course you don't <laughs> Kylie made me
1: go on uh on a roller coaster, uh-huh last like two years ago at the fair, I still haven't forgiven her. Whoa. Yeah, I don't. I don't go on rides. I'm well, so terrified see, of them. So
0: those rides are janky and terrifying. Yes, I don't blame you. Um, so yes, they're put together
1: by people who are paid minimum wage to drive around the country <laughs> and, and put those up. I'm, you're, <laughs> I'm putting my safety and life in the hands of that. Yeah, like I work with people who make minimum wage.
0: They don't give a shit. Yeah, you see how they work, <laughs> right? So. I was going on all the the other rides. You know, I don't mind going on like even some of like the zipper one that like spins and like rotates mm-hmm. and You're like in a cage tumbling through it. But I went there with my niece and like I told you in the past, like I pride myself on like being the cool uncle. So she's like, let's do this right. Let's do this right. I'm like, okay, like I don't want you to have a bad time. So I'm going to, I'm going to go on what you want me to go on. And then she points to that giant swinging claw and she's like, let's go on that. And I was like, Ooh, uh, I've been on it when I was a kid, like her age. And I was like, you know what? I can hang. So I get on there and there's like different depths of seats. Okay. So that like it's tighter for certain people. Mm. So I sit down and it's a shallow seat and the dude can't lock it. And he's like, it won't lock. Just hold on, hold on. He's like shoving the bar into my chest. (gasps) And I'm like, hey. If you can't do it, like, I'm just going to get off. And he's like, oh, no, switch spots with this little kid who was in a deeper seat, Mm -hmm. which doesn't make any sense. Why are you going to put a little kid in a seat that's too big for him? So I'm like, okay. So I switch with him, and then the thing locks. Now I'm terrified. Like, he couldn't even shut it. Like, is it going to shut? Like, am I going to die? Yeah. Is he just saying, ah, close enough? In his head and walking off. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, you're good. And I'm like, I'm not good. Mm -hmm. I'm not good. (laughs) And so it starts going and I'm white knuckles the whole time. I bet. Praying that I live through this. And I look at my niece and she's just laughing, having the best time of her life. Jen said from the ground, she could see my face just white. And she looks over to my sister and goes, he's not having fun right now. (laughs) 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 and i got off i was sick for the rest of the day i believe it i told i told alex my niece i said hey uh i love you but i'm done (laughs) i said i'm not doing anymore i'll do the ferris wheel i'll do like some of these little small rides i am done with those big ones kylie
1: loves rides and i feel i do there is a part of me deep down inside that feels bad that i don't i won't go on them right and I'm like, I should be a good boyfriend and go on these rides with right. her. I mean, she's been asking me for ten years <laughs> to go on these rides, and I maybe will go on one every right. couple. And then I give her crap about that one ride she made me go on mm-hmm. two years ago. Mm-hmm. But her um her work picnic, summer like summer barbecue picnic yeah. is always at Oaks Park. Okay, yeah. And like that the octopus ride I'm pretty sure that's been there since I was in elementary school. Which one's that one? That's the one with like the eight arms. It's black and it's got the rotating cars on top of oh, the arms. Yeah, and like yeah, you yeah. can spin the car as it's going up right, and down right, and right, around right. in a circle. Mm-hmm. Dude, that thing like when they when they're like letting people off and letting new people on, you sit basically like 30, 40 feet in the air oh, with that old rickety cart, it. like constantly like swaying back <laughs> and forth. I can do that one. That's not that bad. Well, I'm a lot taller, so I I, f- yeah, I don't. That's true. That I don't true. feel like I my center of gravity yeah. is all the way secure okay. in one little like aluminum thing that comes back <laughs> and locks into place. So you don't do any rides? And the dude down there texting is supposed to be paying attention.
0: <laughs> you don't do any rides. I don't do any rides. Have you been to Disneyland? Mm, one time when I was like five. Do you think if you went now, you would do the rides?
1: Okay. Well, maybe it depends. Like I probably do splash mountain. Okay. Only because like you have to do splash mm-hmm. mountain. Well, right? I mean,
0: what about in California adventure? They have the big roller coaster with the loop. Nope. Okay. Anything that inverts. I'm going to tell it. you this. So I didn't know this. I've been a few times, you know, my mm-hmm. heart is in Disneyland still. I have to go get it. Um, So any excuse to go back? I, and that's my yeah. excuse. Um, but I guess, so what I love about Disney is they, they you know, they're psycho about things. They're meticulous about things. I guess that they have these engineers who design these rides and like that roller coaster. It's designed to not make you sick. Really? It's designed that way. Wow. So they know the perfect angles, the perfect speed, the perfect drop for all, every single part of that sp- Mm -hmm. talk about that roller coaster. So that roller coaster um, to not make you sick and to make it generally speaking. I mean, obviously, some people might get sick, Mm -hmm. but they just design every single thing to just be obviously as safe as possible, but as enjoyable as possible. Yeah. So Jen doesn't do roller coasters either. She didn't do that one, but she did like Thunder Mountain Railroad and it's much smaller Mm -hmm. and it's way fun. And she did it multiple times. So because I told her that and then she went on it, she's like, I can definitely tell there's a massive difference in the way that Disneyland rides <laughs> operate opposed yeah. to like the fair or Oaks Park. For sure. So maybe just in the future, if you ever go and Kylie's like, hey, come on that one with me. Just remember that little tidbit. I OK, if we're at Disneyland,
1: I'll <laughs> trust those. I mean, those people are paid professionals, right. paid professionals. Right. I don't. I'm sorry. I think you start zero to 60 on that one. Zero to sixty. <laughs> yeah, no, forget about it. You
0: immediately <laughs> slow down and go up the hill, but it's a like you just go. It's so fun.
1: I, I I'm sure it sounds
0: fun <laughs> for people like you and Kylie. Me, I want to yeah. be on the ground. Uh, Kylie and I are best friends. Like we've been over this. Yeah. Um, but so that roller coaster, it was a slow. Like usually around dinner time, it slows down. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. Alex. we w- I went to Disneyland with Alex and then sh- we went to that ride and she's like, let's go on. And uh, the line was so quick. She was like, let's go again. Let's go again. I did it six times in a row. Just boom, boom, boom. Because it There was, was no line? No. Every time we got in line we got right up to the front. Wow. And then she was like, I want to sit in the front car. And I was like, I knew that. If you just ask them, they'll let you. Mm-hmm. So she's like, can we sit in the front? And he's like, yeah, go to that line. And we sat right in the front. That's awesome. I'm pretty sure. So I'm almost positive you've seen those videos of those slingshot videos of those people being slung into the air and then like pass out because of the G's. Mm-hmm. i'm pretty sure alex was passing out on the loop because of the g's oh wow <laughs> because she's small little mm-hmm. like 10 year old at the time yeah but she loved it she's like let's do it again well you've, like,
1: se- you've seen that thing at the fair where it's got the two poles and it like yeah, slingshots no you over band.
0: you're you're no no nope nothing not an any zero amount of money could ever get me to do that yeah I wouldn't uh, – there's no way. If there was like, I'm going to shoot you in the head or you go on that, I uh, I'd just shoot me. I'm not doing it. <laughs> I'm not doing it. There's no way because then I have to sit in my pants filled with shit. Like, yeah. I'd rather just get shot. <laughs> <laughs> um, um. So, you and I, for today, we have some things, but you and I have been talking about doing this for a while. Yes. And what it was and what it is is that <laughs> you – through a certain era of your life, what were the years that you were you saw? Well,
1: I went 2010 through 2012. Oh, okay. So through those
0: years, you, you, you.
1: It it was f- earlier than that and okay. further than that, but this was like prime, right? Okay, like leading up to the second Obama uh, um election. Okay, yeah.
0: So you used Facebook as almost as like Twitter. Where you oh, were just yeah. posting every thought and idea that you had. Yes, and you brought some of those posts from.
1: Yes, I went back and uh, data mined my own <laughs> Facebook, God. and uh,
0: oh man, because in, you in the past you've sent me some cringeworthy posts that you've 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 posted, and they're amazing and they're just they just do my heart so good. Um, so today you brought some. Yes, I thought I would share with our listeners uh, who your host, Jake, used to be.
1: So I hope you guys are all ready for Jake's Hot Takes oh, from Jake's 2010 takes. through 2012. I like that. So I found probably, I want to read off about eight of these. Okay. And keep in mind, these came from... I only had to go back one or two months within each year to find enough that I could, like, (laughs) that would would good enough to read off in the air that are cringy enough for what we're we're trying to do here.
0: you said you picked the ones that were uh, politically specific. For the most part. Okay. Yeah, I
1: think there might be one that's not. Okay. But, um, so, we'll just, we'll start with this one. Okay. Okay. From December 8th, 2010, (laughs) how many people realized yesterday was the anniversary of Pearl Harbor? The day that w- that should have lived in infamy, Franklin Rose- Roosevelt, no one remembers. The day that marked our involvement, misspelled involvement, in the <laughs> biggest, most important war this world has ever seen. We can't as a nation remember the 600 men still entombed in the USS Arizona, but we can remember what Snooki is doing on Jersey, Store, on <laughs> Jersey Shore. <laughs> Oh <laughs> my! How old were you? Uh, <laughs> 2010. Uh, what would have been that twenty? Oh my
0: god! Nineteen twenty. Yeah, yeah.
1: So, um, <laughs> apparently I forgot <laughs> that it was Pearl Harbor too because uh, it was December eighth when I made that post. Yeah. So.
0: Oh, God. Wait, you said yesterday, though, right? Yeah. So, yeah. I
1: guess I did. But yeah. maybe I remembered a day late and made the post. Who knows?
0: <laughs> no, I mean, you were waiting for the day to clear. Yes. You were just watching Facebook to I see I guarantee
1: it. that's what I was doing.
2: <laughs>
0: no, what knew, person was, is going to
1: post All these it? un-Americans. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, all right. So, uh, December 7th, 2010, the day before.
0: Wait, the day before? The,
1: the day before my okay. last one. Okay. Uh, French rifles for sale. Never been fired, only dropped once. Follow up comment to that, because mm-hmm. it's basically making a play that the French military always gives up and doesn't fight. <laughs> <laughs> follow up comment: There was no context to this. I just ran, thought about randomly posting that. Yes, Whatever. Like, where are you it, going? it came from, came from coming out of nowhere. I just right. decided to post that. So follow up comment: How many times have I have we saved the French? Three times that's three times too many if you ask me <laughs>
0: <laughs> no one asked me <laughs> yes wait, wait, did you just comment that to no response just a response to your original post? yes, oh my gosh, <laughs> so uh
1: yeah no one asked me, and honestly like I don't know what I was what was the third time I'm referring to because I'm assuming I'm referring to the two world war to the world two right. world wars one, we didn't really say the French the Western. Like the western front really never got into France itself. Uh-huh. We just broke the stalemate. Right. And we don't win our the United States doesn't win its revolution without French assistance. Right. So, I wasn't really on my path to be a historian at this point in 2010. Oh, uh, you
0: were on your path since you were 5 years old, apparently.
1: <laughs> I took a detour in 2010 to yeah, 2012. That's what happened. All right. Um October 29th, 2010. Mm-hmm. Only a very lame politician would use a play on this last name on his last name. As his campaign slogan, I'm pretty sure since Denny Heck agrees with the principles of existing Democratic Congress, there is no way he could give Congress Heck vote Jamie Herrera Butler. <laughs> so even back in 2010, I'm stumping for. Oh, yeah. For uh, Jamie, Jamie. That's hilarious. Yeah. I, Denny Heck must have been some dude running right. against her. And I don't know why I felt the need.
0: Democrat. He said he was a Democrat yeah. running against her or butler and the slogan was give him heck or give Congress heck Oh that reminds me I wanted to bring this up um last week have you seen those signs around Clark County <clears throat> and I want to ask you because you vote Republican and you are Republican yeah and I just want to commend you on how bold you are for voting Republican
1: that's something that I would have taken um back in 2010 me would have been like yeah I'm bold <laughs>
0: <laughs> Have you seen those? Yes. Be bold, vote Republican. Well, did you
1: see the one from Elaine Curing? A conservative we can trust.
0: Uh uh-uh. uh Oh, I wonder. What does that mean? I don't know. What but does that like, mean? That whole "be bold" thing. That I, I think, as if I were, if I were identified as Republican, I'd be like, that seemed almost condescending. Yeah. Like what? Like just um, and I don't. Okay. I'll get all, I'll, I don't want to get off on a tangent. I have something else we, I want to talk to you about at it well let's time. go uh, oh. We don't have to. We can finish this, and we can do it. Let me just m- ask you okay um, what are your thoughts? This is going to go down a rabbit hole, but that's the perfect point of this is so I was talking to a guy at work and he lives in Oregon and he identifies and is registered as independent okay and he was we were having a conversation about voting, and he felt. Almost like it's unfair that he can't vote for a Republican or a Democrat if he chooses to because because I guess the law is that you have to vote for whatever party you're registered In as. In Oregon. Right. Yeah. So he doesn't get any information on uh, any pamphlets or any information on Democrats or Republicans mm-hmm. and only independent because independent is so small, he doesn't get any information from them really um yeah independent can
1: just encapsulate anything that's not democrat or republican so i mean you can get people from all over the political
0: spectrum well and he told me that the way around it was to to do a write-in and they have to count that as a write-in okay so here's my hot take on that and i want to know what you think so i'm i'm interested in because of this i'm interested in um Maybe this is me just going too far, but I view it almost as a a way of voter suppression because this person's point of view, their their opinion, their vote Mm -hmm. is – it doesn't matter or it doesn't count because Mm -hmm. now they're forced to vote a certain way.
1: Yeah. Washington tried to do that once, and there was so much pushback that they did away with it. I can't believe that that's
0: how that works.
1: Yeah. You would think that – voters would try to get that as a referendum to try to get that off of that's that's yeah i mean it is voter i mean you could argue that's so many different things voter suppression that's um yeah i it's that's bad that needs to that needs to go away so that's 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 just one of those old like just kind of archaic laws that have stuck around forever that no one's decided people
0: to to identify as something and then to vote as that yeah and then if they don't their vote doesn't matter it kind of discourages people to vote if it's a two-party system now mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah so i thought about researching and doing a writing uh just doing a paper on that yeah i think that's super interesting that'd be super cool anyway so no that's I, I think that'd be cool the conclusions you could come to
1: would be really re- relevant if
0: I, yeah if i'm coming from the point of arguing it as voter suppression you know and i think it'd be interesting to argue for that because oregon is it leans left and mm-hmm. it's, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't think that that's a very liberal idea. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I just thought that that was interesting and I just wanted to know what you thought. Yeah.
1: About. No. And yeah, it's, uh, it's weird. It is. It's very weird. That's I mean, not. it's, that's like the least democratic right. thing you could have in a democratic society.
0: Yes, absolutely. And I don't like it and I'm glad I live in Washington. Yeah. Anyway, so All next right. one,
1: <laughs> next one, uh, <coughs> Moving on to Dece- uh, 2011, uh, December 3rd. Mm-hmm. The fact that Michelle Bachman is even in the presidential debate drives me insane. There aren't three better candidates out there than Bachman, Perry, and Herman Cain. I'm worried about my Republican Party. So I'm gonna th- that one I'm throwing out there because okay. I feel like even back in my m- worst, uh-huh. um, back in, like, at my worst, I was still... <laughs> somewhat sane so I'm just I just threw that one in there because it, it's a re- little bit redeeming for me but I quickly come back to uh ruin any sort of what day move. uh apparently the same day oh okay perfect yeah so Newt Gingrich for president I finally made up my mind however if Huckabee puts his name in dot 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 I'm voting for Huck Ugh.
0: gross just gross how do you feel about those two now
1: awful they've I mean, they're either they either were frauds to begin with or they've completely sold out. Jake. Well, and here's the thing is I <laughs> I I switched so I made that big declarative statement that I was going to support New Gingrich for the yeah. 2012 yeah. Republican nomination. Yeah, I uh, probably switched my allegiance like three different times oh, after I'm that. Sure. And before that, I made a post during the summer that said I'm so excited Rick Perry is running for president. He's going to make a great president.
0: <laughs> How old are you? You're 18, 19, right? Mm, yeah, 1920. Yeah. 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 Ugh. I mean maybe they should just move the age up.
1: Yeah. So <laughs> I I eventually just I would eventually um put a Rick Santorum bumper sticker on my Toyota. You did. That same yeah. year? Yes. Oh my god. Yeah, I supported everybody in the race yeah. apparently. Uh, someone gives a good speech, a good little right, at, you know, good little sound bite on a in a uh, debate, and that was all about him.
0: I would love to see 2011, 2010, Jake at that country concert, seeing that dude screaming into his phone. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah, brother!
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right, so the these two are long. Okay, these two are super long. I'm gonna read the first one because then I go on to completely contradict myself three days later. Oh, perfect. <clears throat> I can't outright hate the Occupy movement. I completely disagree with a lot of their actions, especially the Portland branch. At their core, they aren't any different than the Tea Party movement, which I supported when they were protesting. I figure if I hate them protesting, that would make me a hypocrite. However, here's how the Tea Party is different in my eye, dot, dot, dot. The Tea Party never went around vandalizing buildings, insulting police officers, disrupting commerce and traffic. The Occupy movement has become a harbor for anarchists, drug addicts, and people who are flat out <laughs> lazy, to, too lazy to work, most of which never had a job before the economy tanked. Oh, god. <clears throat> yeah, Taxing the top oh. 1% to 2% doesn't seem justifiable if we're giving people money who don't want to put anything into the system. Does there need to be um, government to have tax, have a tax system that's 90% of the, 90% of America has to hire a lawyer to understand? Increasing taxes on businesses owners will create disincentive for hiring, especially in this economy. America will not get out of this crisis by taking from people, banks, businesses, citizens. America will survive and flourish only if America gets back that competitive drive that put this country at the top. We have bogged down and stifled what made this country a place of economic prosperity. Our drive, <laughs> what is it? Our drive to be the best. America had <laughs> had got to the point where we are selling our raw materials to manufacturing facilities in China and then buying the finished products back. Why? Because we are, because <laughs> <laughs> we are all extremely high. Because uh, we have, because with all the extremely high taxes, I have so many typos in here. This is why I'm stumbling over myself
0: wait from the original post
1: yes i just copied and pasted this oh no because with all the extremely high taxes on businesses epa restrictions union wages and countless other fees and restrictions it's cheaper for companies to pay export fees the cost of labor in china and import taxes china wants to expand and grow economically we have we are the middle of an economic war and it's a war we are losing our debt now stands at 14 trillion dollars america's gdp is 14 trillion per year how can we survive as a country if we don't even make enough to cover our debt? America needs to grease up its manufacturing gears, get government restrictions off our backs and our business owners, open up the markets, and let America off its self-imposed leash. This <laughs> that's when we'll see economic prosperity on every level. Let everyone make their own way, not the way the government tells them to go. Robbing the rich will not do it. Will do nothing but further sink this country into the economic doom that is socialism. (laughs) There will be a—that's where the core of the Occupy movement is wrong. Uh.
0: So I will say this about some of the posts that you've read: there are some relevant points that you make in in that time Mm -hmm. that I think that you could apply to today, or maybe there are some rhetoric that i've heard today yeah not necessarily by you but just in general i think that's kind of interesting yeah so you have a another one that countered that whole thing. yeah so that
1: one was from november 8th this one's from november 13th okay as soon as that police officer was injured at occupy portland riots last night portland should have finally got their put their foot down and arrested as many people as they could then continue by tearing down all the tents and seizing all the possessions left in the tents On top of the officer being injured, when they arrested the guy that caused it, the rioters cheered him as if he were a hero. One of the protesters, when interviewed by Channel 8 News at 2 a.m., I know because for some reason I was still up watching the endless coverage until 4, said that on November 17th, the entire Occupy America movement is going to take control of the banks. Now, I view that as a terrorist threat. A threat against our nation's banking system should be taken seriously. If it were a right-wing movement, that's that said anything like that, they would be labeled as radicals. I meant to say radicals, but I misspelled it. But our leftist media is still, (laughs) is still calling them peaceful. Every chance all of the stations had to describe them, they described the rioters as peaceful. Biased! I want to see something i put like all five, caps all caps and exclamation yes. like five exclamation points. I want to see something done so our banks don't get disturbed by these loons. They're already <laughs> done they've already done enough damage. It's time to start treating them for what they are. dot 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 anarchists and terrorists.
0: Jake, that rhetoric is exactly how people talk today.
1: Yeah, I was dude, I was I was them before them. So
0: what changed? Education. What do you mean by that?
1: I went and learned about how things actually work. Mm -hmm. What are what are the definitions of the words I was throwing around? Mm -hmm. What are the historical um what's the historical background and processes that brought us to today and what and how all of these things I'm yelling and screaming about actually Mm -hmm. mean instead of just listening to Fox News and other, you know, Breitbart or The Blaze. Mm And that I used to just constantly live in mm-hmm. this bubble, saying things that I didn't know anything about. I was just told that this is what I'm supposed to scream about. Right. They tell you what you're supposed to scream about, and so I went and screamed about it. Right. So then I wouldn't I I would would see things, and I'd be like, "Oh, that's what they're talking about, and this is what they're saying. That's about." Mm-hmm. Instead of actually doing research on my own to right. figure out what you know, what is uh, what is the you know what is the theory behind you know um the occupied what, what are they act what is occupy actually saying and what right. is what is the history and what is the implications of what they're actually saying so
0: that's what i was going to ask you next is what is your what is your opinion or viewpoint now of everything that was happening then do you have one have you thought about it because i think it would be interesting to show so you and i have talked about this before and um, especially with your old posts how the difference what is is that you got an education and you have a better understanding of the the broader picture and context mm-hmm. so I mean not specifically you don't have to talk about specifically the occupy the occupy movement, but I think it would be interesting to show maybe a difference in your thought process and how you view it because like you just said, mm-hmm. these news outlets are telling you what to be mad about, and you may still not agree with some of the things that happen but i would imagine that you maybe not that you do have elements that you do agree with but there are parts of it that you better understand
1: for sure i mean i have a greater appreciation for anybody who feels like they they want to get their message heard mm-hmm. and i view everybody you know in a way now that especially from a political science from a political science science you know lens mm-hmm. that you know, everybody is a uh, is an is an you know, is trying to get their own agency right. within the system and change it to the way that benefits them mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. what they're want and their preferences and, and they have every right to do that in a democratic society. So I my harsh rhetoric like oh they need to be torn down, they're all losers and right. aren't working, like that was obviously so misguided. Mm-hmm. And in as much as I disagree with some of their I still disagree with mm-hmm. their you know, their overarching ideology of, right. um especially with economics mm-hmm. that um just trying to shut somebody up doesn't f- doesn't solve anything and mm-hmm. allowing you know trying to trying to silence them or and vice versa is not going to solve anything it just doesn't solve anything and i'm, I'm rambling i'm not saying anything deep and no profound that's right perfect now, but that is
0: absolutely perfect that shows the difference mm-hmm. perfect yeah, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah,
1: all right. Well, we're moving on to 2012 here. Okay. Um, I'm not. Rep- so this is November sixth, 2012. Okay. This you, is dude. That winter,
0: it's the winter months, man. You gotta get outside.
1: Well, <laughs> well I'm duck hunting a lot. <laughs> yeah. But, um, the, there was a lot. There's a lot of duck hunting posts. I had to wade through. Oh, here. okay. Yeah. Um, but November sixth. So this was like either. This would have been probably the election. It's probably. I think yeah. this is the night of the election. Yeah. So. Um, 2012. 2012. Okay. Yeah. And uh, so, I'm not. Do I, you have a time or no? No. Okay. It just whatever my quote is. I think this was after. Th- I remember making this post. Oh. I think this was after it was announced that Barack Obama would would win re-election. Hmm. I made this post. It says. Oh crap! Where did I go? Okay. I am not Republican because I grew up rich. I am Republican because I don't want to spend the rest of my life poor waiting for my government to rescue me.
0: <laughs> okay, I unpack that a little bit.
1: Unpack that a little bit. What's yeah.
0: there to unpack? Well, I mean, you remember it. What, what do you remember what you were thinking? Well, that's a Mike Huckabee quote.
2: Oh.
1: Yeah. And he I um, didn't know that. Yeah, I sh- yeah. guess I should have prefaced yeah, that. Okay. Yeah, okay. That's a Mike Huckabee quote and uh-huh. he said that at the 2012 uh, Republican um, National Convention. Mm-hmm. He stood up there and he gave what, at the time, I thought was just the best speech anybody could possibly ever give. Right? right. He blended the perfect amount of, um, uh, you know, support for our troops with this like story about how this teacher wouldn't let her students have desks until they said why they deserved a desk. Or like how they've earned their desk or oh whatever. Like, and then at the end, like af- after a week, like ever all the parents and all of her, all the faculty at the school were getting mad at this teacher. Like, why don't you give your students a desk? Mm-hmm. Well, like on the last day, like on Friday, right before they leave, she has all these veterans carry in um, desks for mm-hmm. all of her students. And then she said, you don't have to earn your desk because these men already did for you. Is that true? I don't know that's a story he told. Okay. It's a pretty cool it's that's a pretty cool message, right? right? So, but he's using it in a political yeah. in a political platform to further a political agenda. For sure. But and then he goes on to say that, and that that was like that was a key quote. and I was like, oh, that's like that just encapsulates me as a Republican. Right. Like all the Democrats are lazy. No, you know, no right. good drug no addicts. Yeah, drug addicts. I don't uh-huh. work. Whatever. So uh, <laughs> that are just standing there waiting for the government to, to save their lives while I'm out here forging my own um, my own path. And
0: people you know. talk about like, what would you do with the time machine if you, you and I right now? I think it's fun to imagine, say what you mean, going back in time and just just letting you know that you voted for Hillary Clinton.
1: If, if you told me, <laughs> if you just walked up to me, at yeah. like when I was like not because this is like a time in my life, I don't think I was in school. I think this college? was college. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: you're graduated high school. You're in the middle. Period.
1: Yeah. I had already left Clark the first time because I, oh, okay. I went to Clark for like a year and a half, that's right, two that's years right. after I got out of high school. And uh, so this would have been when I was just working full time at mm-hmm. Fisherman's mm-hmm. Marine and living in my own echo chamber. So, yeah, if you walked up and said you're going to vote for Hillary Clinton when you're 27 or 26 years old or whatever, I would have <laughs> I, there would have been some expletives coming out of my oh mouth. Oh, my gosh. There's, there's no way I could have ever fathomed myself. No way. Like That's so interesting. I probably believed back then like a woman couldn't be president because she's oh, a woman. Sure. Yeah. I'm sure I <laughs> held that belief at some time. I'm oh sure i've even, i'm sure I've even said that like right. the things I've said out loud oh. versus what I've said in Facebook oh. just imagine it's worse than this for sure um well so this this came out of nowhere this was so random I had to put this in this list uh October two thousand twelve <clears throat> well, this jets game is a bust I'm gonna go watch the gognam style music video dot 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 <laughs> why did that need to be said why jake did why you did watch that? it? Apparently, I must have. I mean, it must have been more entertaining than the Jets. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was when they were losing to Denver <laughs> with Tim Tebow. Was with it like a playoff point. or no? No regular season. Just regular. They haven't made the playoffs since 2011. So what a random post, dude! There was rampant on my Facebook. Really? Yeah. God, it
0: was bad. I'm sure there's so many. You're just like, what am I talking about? <laughs> All right,
1: so November 6, 2012. So this is the same day. As um,
0: dude, November, December, man.
1: Yeah, like I said, I didn't need to go back further. I didn't need to go m- for more than a couple months to find good ones. Is this tw- two thousand twelve? This is two thousand twelve. It's okay. the same day as I made that Mike Huckabee quote post. Okay. This is this I f- really remember because I got a lot of uh, I got a lot of traffic on this post. Most of my stuff, I got one or two likes. Uh-huh. This one, I got a lot of traffic on Uh-oh. from people who either like were upset about the election. Mm-hmm results or we're in support of it interesting so all right so i'm a very i am very very scared for my future i will never take government aid i will never look to others to hand me my success mm-hmm. i will make it on my own all i ask is for the government to stay the hell out of my paycheck and <laughs> pay for the hand and p- to pay for handouts of those who refuse to make their own success i'm expelled success uh-huh i will succeed or fail on my own if I fail, that is on me. If I fail, it is not the government's job to rescue me from my bad decisions. This election obviously proved that this—that the majority of the people in this country would rather be handed success than be rescued, instead, and be rescued instead of making it on their own. They would rather take from us instead of earn it for themselves. Hmm. Are we still friends?
0: <laughs> yeah, I want you to unpack that one. Uh, Un- unpack it not, maybe not what, I mean, what is there to unpack that's well, just what do you think that's today? just like ridiculously ignorant it's, I don't know I think it's yeah of course we're still friends I just because <laughs> I know you don't think that way now um, but what an interesting point of view <laughs> and and the whole time I'm thinking you're 18 and 19 years old posting these this, this yeah. stuff mm-hmm. um, I did not I was playing shows you know yeah I, I'm I'm gonna have to go back and look at mine. Okay, and and we'll we'll compare we'll a little compare bit. We'll compare them, yeah. Um, because I I would be if there are political posts at all, I'll be surprised. Yeah,
1: I I just from and I'm I'm older from the get go. I just have always had this. I mean, it was obviously misplaced energy, right? Like, and I was com- really ignorant. And I had no. You're angsty,
0: dude. That was your angst.
1: Yeah, it was. It's always been politics. Like, I will That's just shout so from the rooftop. I mean you talk to me on a given on any given day like yeah. i'm mad about so- i'm sure. mad about something that trump has done i'm still <laughs> mad about something yeah. when it comes to politics i'm yeah. just always consuming it and giving my opinions on whatever platform you know i'm right. allowed mm-hmm. i have a podcast now yeah. so i can i can i guess spew even more for but. sure um
0: so i just had a question um a lot of that, what you just read, is are the opinions and ideas that are said today. Oh yeah. How do you feel about it?
1: That's I think r- the reason why I, I think it it the reason why you hate. You hate stuff that you hate about yourself, right? Mm-hmm. And and I think that I am constantly in my back of my mind being reminded about the stuff I used to say and the stuff I used to believe. Uh-huh. So when I see that, and now, now I know the the pitfalls and the fallacies and, and the, just the ignorance of that, of that right. way of thinking. Um, when I see it today, today uh-huh. and I hate it because that's, they, I hate it because that used to be me. Right. I hate it. I hate it on a different level uh-huh. more than I think other people do when they see that kind of just blatant ignorance. For sure. Because that's the way I used to be, but I got
0: better. That's so interesting. I love that. Like
1: I get, s- that's why I, that's why when I go on my, on my Facebook crusades, yeah. it's because it's almost like I'm battling myself. Uh,
0: interesting. I'm battling
1: that 20, 21 year old self of me like that believed this stuff. Right. Cause I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm trying to make sense of all this in my mind yes. too at the same time and try to, and try to be okay with what I, with where I used to be and right. where I am now. Right. So, you And know. I don't
0: mean to say this phrase this way, but it's the only one I can think of, but like, you're on the other side of that, and I'm not meaning like, there's, either there's left a or line, right. Yeah, there's a, line, there's a there. line there, and you're on the other side of it, and now you have a better understanding of the concepts, the terms, the um, context, the just broader ideas of what you're, you were complaining about and what people are complaining about today and almost almost like you can like not that I'm not telling you what you are thinking but when i hear that it's almost like just listen you guys don't get it mm-hmm. like i i've been there trust me just listen to me and nobody's listening to you no because but, i didn't listen then right either. right but you have that growth you have that change and it's it's i mean obviously Today and now you feel better about where you are. Sure. Um, and almost like you wish that these people could just see, like, just I wish you could see a capture of my life and the growth. And because what you're saying, I once said, you know what I mean. And they're just regurgitating the things that they've heard. And that I don't. I just think I think that's so fascinating. Mm -hmm.
1: I I want to share it. I do want to share a story because like I didn't go into WSUV. I was still in a lot of ways kind of entrenched in this on a lot of ways. Like mm-hmm. I thought I'm heading into a liberal institution. I, I viewed heading into WSU Vancouver almost as like, I'm going to have to battle on a daily basis to maintain my beliefs and my right. ideologies. Cause I'm going to be attacked on these. I'm going to be sitting in classes that are constantly, you know, attacking my beliefs, which is just the furthest thing from the truth. Like mm-hmm. that never happened At all in any of my classes, did I ever feel like I was actually attacked? The only time I would have ever felt like I was attacked, or like when I did feel like I was attacked at Clark, is because it was in my own head. Right. So, anyway, like I was, I went and got my books for my very first semester Mm -hmm. at WSU Vancouver, and I can remember saying to my friend Matt, my other friend Matt Glenn Denning, yeah, and he said and i was like man like i i we had to get these books for dr lopez's class and i was like so mad mm-hmm. by the titles of these books i hadn't even opened them right. but they were called like the white man's burden mm-hmm. and one was like the history of human rights and what was the other one the end of poverty okay they were oh, for they gosh, were shame. they were f- they were for this <laughs> they were f- they were for this um class called nation states and global challenges which is by far the one best of your class favorites. Yeah. The, the best class i've ever taken right. in my life and I was so mad. I'm like, look at like they're gonna force this socialist like Mm -hmm. crap down my throat. Like I'm gonna have. I'm like I'm paying thousands of dollars per year to go get this BS education. Right, you're gonna have to bear
0: through it just to get your degree.
1: Yeah, and I think for me it was going and finally sitting down in the class and then finally and just accepting the fact that I am. I need to listen. Right. I just need to sit and I need to listen.
0: Was there a particular moment where you're just like,
1: and but re- I mean, not just hearing, yeah, actually listening and comprehending, yes, so you can understand, right? Yeah, that was just kind of like I think that was such a big transformational moment for me in my life, just because it was, it, those books and having to sit in in an environment where, you know, you're, it was literally going. Why, where I was so closed off in my mm-hmm. own beliefs, mm-hmm. literally, just like education penetrated that wall that I had built up. Right, and I I was forced to sit there and listen, but right. I had to make that. But also, it had to be a conscious decision. That's what I was going to say. Uh,
0: you have to recognize uh, the maturity and um, almost like a uh, identifying your responsibility to to be open to growth and be open to kind of putting down those walls to, mm-hmm. to have a better understanding of everything. Yeah. Yeah. I th- I don't think that that's, you know, you're just being hammered with these liberal ideas and finally those walls come down. You have to understand that you are learning mm-hmm. and that it's going to help you understand. I, I I don't know. It'd be interesting to, because I met you the next semester, that spring semester. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought you were cool as hell. I don't know if I would have thought so in 2010 or 11. No, no, no. (laughs) You know what I mean? But by 2015, you were, you know, you and I could have a conversation even politically and it it wasn't like contentious. No, not at all. Hmm.
1: Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's just uh, such, I'm so thankful. And And I would never say like, Higher education, or the institution of like university, having right. to go to university is necessarily the path that everybody has to take. Mm-hmm. But for me, it was. Right. For me, it was absolutely necessary that I went there, mm-hmm. and I, my life would be just just so. I mean, you would see what my life would probably still be mm-hmm. with these posts, right. and would I be in any different of a position? I don't know. I'm still working at the same job. Right. But so am I. it's. But that's not a me- but that's not
0: an accurate measuring it stick isn't. by any means. I I feel. I feel better, you know, you had said to me, I don't know if you said this on the podcast or you said this um, at another time we were talking, but you were saying that, you know, I feel like history, getting a degree in history has shown us like how, how terrible people are and how terrible people have been. Um, And I agree. I think that is true. I mean, you look historically and it's just like, oof, come on, humanity. Mm -hmm. But I also think that there is an element of empathy and an element of appreciation that we also have. Yeah. So in the terrible times of war and deception and corruption and all these things that we've learned about in history, you also get to see kind of the great things that humanity has battled through for sure. Um, and kind of conquered and established. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think, I mean, there is a price on it. <laughs> There's a big price on what we've learned. Oh yeah. But think that personally like you i mean i came in as a liberal little hippie you know i thought i knew but um and, and i say today even that you know maybe i'm a little more conservative than i thought mm-hmm. um, but like donna sinclair said i'm just pragmatic now yeah um but i just think that i agree you cannot the change in who we are um has been so beneficial. And like you said, it's not everybody's path. Somebody will find that, that growth and that experience through other things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I also agree that I think that it was necessary for me to do yeah um, to make friends, mm-hmm. obviously with you and I. Um, but also, I mean, now I've been exposed to different ideas, not mostly through education, but through our friendship Yeah, to look at, where you've come, I can't tell you how much I appreciate and how, how interesting I think it is. This, this change from who you used to be to who you are now. And I, and I think that, and I, I I've talked to other people about it, mostly Dr. Sinclair, Mm -hmm. but you know, you look at Jake and you look at the growth and I think that that is, and just an understanding and a true understanding of context and history. Mm -hmm. Um, to better analyze not only history but look at you now you're analyzing your primary source in 2011 <laughs> of who you were right i know
1: for me anyway like i hit my stride in the last semester like i had the most fun i've like i've had in terms uh-huh. of just being in the environment of school right and cherished that the most at the end right because i didn't I mean, I've alluded to on, on this, uh, on this podcast in the past where I just didn't talk to anybody. It was right. like, you literally just you and Matt. And if it wasn't, if you guys weren't around, I went home. Right. And then being able to, you know, go and then going to, once you got involved with, um, uh, the history club mm-hmm. and I started going to weekly meetings right. and it just in- introduced me to more and more people. And I started talking to Connor and started talking to right. Trevor and Megan and some of the other history and Derek, some of the other history majors who are just fantastic mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. And, um, and just talking about them with other things just about, li- you know, about life, right. just talking to Connor and just how Harry good Potter. Of a, about how good <laughs> of a dude is like, yeah, you and I and him stood out. You, him and I stood out in front of the library for like an hour right. in the rain mm-hmm. after class one day talking about Harry Potter. Right. And that's kind of what kind of spurred our, um, our podcast. Mm-hmm. We just kind of kept that conversation m- moving right. and on a slow pace to the point where it culminated in us having a podcast about right.
0: it do you have any more
1: uh i just had uh one last one it's my magnum opus it's only it's two sentences so it's not like big long essays like the last two so it was if anybody is this was from september of 2011 so i go back a year from these previous ones this is when i was i think at this was when i was at clark for my first failed attempt first failed okay okay if anybody is wondering i'll be the guy wearing uh I was anti-Obama before it was cool t-shirt <laughs> at Clark College, watching all the liberals' heads explode.
0: Oh, you troll.
1: I w- here's the thing. I was too much of a puss to wear that shirt. I just made that post and didn't actually wear the shirt.
0: Wow, dude.
1: Bum, bum, <laughs> bum. Massive fail. Oh, my gosh. You're
0: so cool.
1: I know. Oh, that's Here's terrible. the thing is I do own that shirt. You still have it?
0: Yes. Oh, please wear it. Okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I it in so I bought it at a gun show. This guy had, like, a screen printer, and, uh-huh. like, he was like, what kind of shirt do you want? Right. I was like, he had all the, had all the ones up yeah. there. I'm like, I want that one. He's like, for an extra five bucks, I'll put, um, I'll <laughs> 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 this is how dumb I was. This was obviously supposed to be for a chick, but it was supposed to be, like, oh, no. um, I'll put lips, and, and it'll say, right here, Obama. Like, basically, kiss my ass, because uh-huh. it was, like, on the bottom back of the shirt. Yeah. And... I, I was like, sure, that's great. So I walked around with like these, like this, like chick lips on the ass part of the shirt yeah. that said, "Right here, Obama." Oh
0: my! On that shirt. On that shirt. Please wear it next week, and we'll take a picture and we'll post it. Okay. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Oh. Like I said, geez. I was
1: the per. I was Trump.
0: Yeah. Supporter before Trump. Right. I would you like the thing. You were a Trump supporter before it was cool. Yes. <laughs> Kiss my ass, Hillary. Unfortunately. Killery. <laughs> dude, gosh, uh, now I see those shirts and I'm like, you're a douche. Yeah, dude. Well, dude, how douchey is it that you said you wore it and you didn't wear it?
1: <laughs> Welcome to my my life. Oh, gosh. 2010, I, 2012. That's
0: amazing. Um, I'm going to have to go back and see if there's anything um, that i had posted that's kind of embarrassing i know i said terrible things mm-hmm. um because especially about politics i wasn't conscious of the po- political world and i didn't care yeah um and p- what t- how old was i 20 something if you're 18 22 23 yeah so i'm an old guy and honestly dude i didn't vote i didn't care i yeah. was like i told you i've always just been like a anti-establishment punk rock. I don't care about any of this. It's it's uncool to care about that stuff. Um, But I know that blindly I would just say things without knowing anything. So I wonder if there's anything that I posted that I didn't know about.
1: There's a lot of things I posted that I just... And forgot, and you just you don't even think
0: about it. Right. But Your oh my stuff's god informed, though. I mean, it may not be correctly informed or completely informed. It's a hot take. I don't know if it was too informed. <laughs> well, don't give me too much credit here. I'm not. I'm just saying it's interesting that at that age you were so just interested in that world. Yeah. um
1: Well, it, I think, I mean, I was so. I think that was really the beginning of the rights villainization of the left right in American politics right and I was at the forefront of that but what about the reverse because you can you can see in my you can see that vitriol right in my rhetoric right that I viewed those people as literally enemies to the state right in in somewhere in my mind I believe that For I'm sure I did and it wasn't until like I think I just I'm like they're not our like they're not our enemy and you just you don't you get rid of that like in group out group dynamic that yeah. constantly always informs us on how we view mm-hmm. people and Um, you know, they're still American. Like we can have differences, but we're
0: still Americans, right? Well, I I, there it goes the other way though too. There are the left who view the right as the enemy of the state. Yeah. So uh, it'd be interesting to see kind of when that starts ramping up and when that started happening. Yeah. Is it response to this, or did they initiate it, or?
1: Well, I think I think someone on the right would argue that um the they've been victimized from the left for the last you know. Since Obama was elected, I think so then, I think I think they view their hatred of the left as a response to the left's hatred of them because yeah. they, they viewed Obama as radically fundamentally changing America. So uh-huh. they thought that was an attack. So anybody who supported Obama's radical fundamental change of the United States mm-hmm. was attacking their conservative way of life right they're f- trying to fundamentally change how they go about their life on every aspect of mm-hmm. it that, so it was like this really apocalyptic view yeah and that's how kind of i thought too like he's right. trying to fundamentally change my way of life he's the enemy right they're the enemy mm-hmm. and i think so chicken and the egg i don't know like right right yeah that's a good analogy because obama wasn't trying to fundamentally change the united states well, like yeah, retrospectively
0: he, how did that how did that end it, up it didn't you know
1: yeah so Yeah, I mean,
0: I think you could say the same thing with Trump. I mean, I know that a lot is changing and there's some he doesn't handle things the best way and his behavior is atrocious and his rhetoric is atrocious. But. Fundamentally, is he really changing everything in that constant panic and fear that the left has now? Mm -hmm. I'm sure. I mean, we still have years of his administration to see potentially, yeah. But I mean, there is that just state of panic and fear, and it's happened on the left and the right continuously through these these administration. Yeah, and, changes. The, and the right
1: calls it like Trump derangement syndrome. Like they try to like coin that term. Like uh-huh. you hate everything Trump's doing precisely because it's Trump, right? And I mean, I I think there there is. I think there is some of that. Like there is the the over reliance on Almorosa, right? Believing Almarosa's statement that Trump ate like paper in the Oval Office to try to destroy evidence, <laughs> and like <laughs> yeah, she's just some of uh, like in the the whole Stormy Daniels thing, like what a side. I mean, what is like at its core, what a
0: sideshow. Okay, like I don't know. In what I, in what form? I mean, as far as the what I'll say is, as far as the the context of what happened between them mm-hmm. that's what i'm getting at yeah but the element of paying her off is in what Cohen and what
1: Cohen just uh you know basically get put p- p- guilty to is that yeah. he did it to uh, influence the election
0: right but yeah. but what i think you're right in what you're saying is that it, what it became was ooh what happened between them on these nights that they met, yes, and she did this exclusive interview and lines. trying
1: to make these like normative arguments, like yeah. he's who not cares this, yeah. about that?
0: Honestly, I don't. I mean, it's weird that he wants to be married in and in, in what seems like this not happy marriage yeah. and do those things on the side. <laughs> okay, but, but it, that's y- what you, it's you such do a reflect,
1: you. but it's such a reflection of culture, right? Because in his justification or his his constant need to try to. Um, Either justify that away or try to deny it, you can almost, you, you, that that honestly, like, you, you gain how that culture views like morality. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because he had this such need to try to say, well, I wasn't having an affair on my wife. I'm a wholesome, you know, conservative American. Right. Because there is such a need in the United States for our our leaders to uphold that very moral stance.
0: I think historically, I think there, if there isn't evidence, there is. Conspiracy theories of maybe unfaithful presidents in the past. Oh, yeah. And we know about ones, Bill Clinton, obviously, mm-hmm. but I just. In, you know, JFK. And right. You know. So I think that, yeah, it's really interesting that that moral argument comes in and then people want to take sides on that. And like I said, I think you said it became this kind of circus. People are focusing on what happened between them, but let's look at the real implications of paying somebody off not to say anything mm-hmm. and to... With campaign finance funds. Right. Yeah. Right. That's where the issue is. Not what they did that night or who cares what you thought about him when he was naked. That's weird. Yeah. You guys are talking about that. It's weird that everybody wants to have an opinion on that. hmm Who cares? Yeah. In like Garrett's, Garrett Wolf's book, right? How many people bought that book? And it's
1: been completely disproven that most, pro- completely proven that mo- most of that stuff... Mm-hmm. Was completely fabricated. Which one is that? That's the one with the Fire and Fury book. Oh right, 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 right. it's just yeah. I mean, is there dysfunction in the Trump administration? Yes. Obviously, like how many people are leaving and are getting arrested. Right. But <laughs>
0: <laughs> what? That's the best soundbite right there. Oh, my <laughs> obviously, people are leaving and getting arrested. Yeah, but I. It's just
1: it's not like this. I mean. It, Is the president sitting around the Oval Office just like saying racist stuff constantly and berating everybody who walks around him? Like, I just... I don't know. I'm sure he's
0: not a pleasure to work for. People
1: want to believe this about a guy that they've never met, so they look to these... They look to these like crazy sources to try to Sensationalize right. this guy when really, I mean, let's just look at what we know to be facts. Right, he has. We have he his ideology or whatever is driving him to do these mm-hmm. to institute these policies is a con- complete reversal of seventy years of American foreign policy right. or American economic you know policy. And we can argue on those points, but yes. trying to getting bogged down into these, these, these stupid talks about Stormy Daniels and what Omarosa said he yeah. did or didn't do, and she's as as low as least has more has less credibility than him right or as much credibility which isn't much right so i mean i don't know like that's that's my biggest problem with with where the the the, a lot of the anti-trump i don't even say anti-trump that's not right where a lot of like the media seems to go because that's what the viewership wants like you right. see Stephen Colbert has his stormy watch yeah in segment that he does like mm-hmm. every week and it's just
0: like come on like I think there's a desire to understand kind of the uh, the psychology of this guy because he seems so manic sometimes and I think that comes through on his twitter feed but sometimes things will just happen out of nowhere and people are just like uh what so i think that there's a desire to understand who he is to predict what he might do or where he might go but i don't know one thing that we had talked about last week that we wanted to do was kind of go over some terms um that we've been using um but also to kind of set us up for another episode that we want to do um but also i didn't i've never taken a class in economics Mm -hmm. so i have no idea like i'm i'm the dummy here again i just don't know the concrete definitions kind of to some of these terms that Mm -hmm. you use mostly
1: (laughs) yeah most of them i use in my my rant right um so i just felt like last week i was throwing around some terminology Mm -hmm. about social democratic and um so social democratic and socialism and um most people are probably listen, listening to that I'm like well unless you wouldn't looked at looked that up yourself you probably have no idea why that distinction is important or maybe it's only important to me. Well but and like I said last week when
0: I looked that term up they say well we don't really mean that this is what we mean we mean social democracy. So I think that this is a good idea to kind of by definition if you look it up and you're not getting the correct definition what is the correct definition? For sure. So we'll just
1: start with um what is economics? Like what is what is the you know kind of there's a lot of different definitions of economics but one that's kind of widely ex- accepted is Economics is a social science concerned with the production, distribution, and consumption of goods and services. Mm -hmm. It studies how individuals, businesses, governments, and nations make choices on allocating resources to satisfy their wants and needs. Mm -hmm. And tries to determine how these groups should organize and coordinate efforts to achieve maximum output.
0: So one thing I've noticed is that you're very economically focused when you look at, when you analyze politics. Mm -hmm. Tell me why.
1: I think the reason why I, I, I tend to default to economics is I think it shows w- it, it gets to how states and nation states make their choices okay because there's so much of it has to do with economics and trying to view if you if because both liberalism and ra- and because both liberalism and uh, realism both hmm. assume rationality right. economics trying to understand economics is the easiest path to understand why a state is acting like the way they are in a rational way yeah like how is that in their economic how is it at their how is that at their most how is their decision influencing well how's their economic decision making influencing what their wants and needs Mm -hmm. are Mm -hmm. and I think to have an understanding of, uh, of international relations you have to understand right not just like you th- can get super complex with like you know uh, all sorts of algorithms uh-huh. and and uh and stuff, but just economic theory right. I think, and just the dichotomy between socialism and capitalism is just such is such at a, at the heart of the political of like America's political rhetoric, mm-hmm. just labeling people socialism and like you see, I love capitalism hats and right. stuff like that, and like where does this where d- and I also like it because it also comes like where do these um where do these ideologies come from? Right. What's their, like, what's their history uh-huh. and how they manifested in the past and mm-hmm. how they've changed over time. But it also, it gets back to f- the fundamental, um, kind of like human nature argument at the same time too, mm-hmm. um, with Hobbes and Rousseau and a lot of just philosophy. I always really like philosophy. So getting right. into economic, economic philosophies and ideologies and mm-hmm. it, uh, I think it just really informs, um, how states go back and are interacting with each other. right?
0: So uh, you know that I'm mm, historically, like I like to look at social change and social influence. Mm -hmm. Um, So would you, as an economics-focused historian, say that the economy dictates kind of some elements of those social movements and social... um, restrictions or parameters
1: oh definitely i think um how we'll get i mean i'll probably this be next episode we'll yeah. get into the dichotomy like the uh, between uh efficiency and equity uh-huh. and you can't have the more efficient your economy is the less equitable it is mm. and what that means is like equitable being um you're trying to keep in mind how your actions affect Everybody in a society, right. and other externalities like the environment and stuff like that. Okay. So, like, as you're, as if you have a maximum efficiency economy, mm-hmm. you're not concerned with the how it's affecting anybody other than okay. your target consumers or your target, um, uh, you know, your your board members or your employees or right. whatever, like the people who are directly like part of your business mm-hmm. structure. Mm-hmm. That's what you care about. You don't really care necessarily because any anything else you spend worrying about. Other people is going to create an efficiency right. and limit your limit your amount of production. You're not going to get you're not going to reach a hundred percent production if you're worried about how your um your if you if you try to tailor your business decisions to meet some other social needs, mm-hmm. you're you're sacrificing efficiency for equity. Perfect. So getting that trying to in each in each culture is going to value at uh, different levels of efficiency and equity. And there's cultural norms that are going to drive that and how that manifests in the
0: economy. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Okay. Thank you. So
1: um, I think a key definition in understanding economic choice in terms of what is in terms of how a business or a corporate like a corporation or even a government decides that it's going to what it's going how it how it goes about its decision-making mm-hmm. is a term called opportunity cost. Have yeah. you ever heard of, the yeah. of what opportunity cost? So opportunity cost refers to the benefit that a person could have received, but gave up to take another course of action. Right. Stated differently, an opportunity cost represents an alternative given alternative given up when a decision is made. So to think about this, what are you doing? What are you giving up to listen to our podcast? Right. right exactly.
0: Now? You know, what's so, so dumb. I, I, to kind of prep for this conversation, have you ever seen those Crash Course um, YouTube oh, yeah. videos? Uh-huh. I started a Crash Course of economics, perfect, <laughs> <to kind laughs> of have a better understanding, and that's the one of the first terms that they address. And yeah, so they were talking about you know what are you giving up to, whether it's time, mm-hmm. but time is yeah. valuable. So what are you giving up, and and where are you putting your efforts or putting your consumption into?
1: Yes, and yeah. what you're giving up, that's the cost of. Right. That it took for you to make that other to to choose another option. It's mm-hmm. the next best option. Right. Cuz obviously you you chose what you're doing as your number one priority. Right. So there was there's all sorts of reasons that go into making that your top priority, but mm-hmm. you gave up something to get there and that's your opportunity cost. Your opportunity cost is the next would be your next choice. Right. of what you'd be doing with your time. Okay. So <clears throat> um means of production. Um, this is a term that gets thrown around a lot when you're talking about socialism. We, I, I brought that up a bunch. Yeah. Um, the means of production, like right. what is the means of production, and that's the fa- uh, the facilities and resources for producing goods. I mean, that's just pretty, pretty, you know, standard. Say it again. Um, uh, the facilities and resources for producing goods. Okay. So if, if a state owns the means of production, the government owns the facilities. Right. To right. build stuff, so that they make the decisions on how much is made, what is made. Um, where those resources go, how mm-hmm. much people get paid for it, what are the pr- they fix the prices, they make all of those decisions. Mm-hmm. If they have if private ownership of of the business, they get to choose. They choose what what they make. Right. Um. They choose how much they make. All that kind of stuff. So that would be that's the like the main difference between socialism and capitalism mm-hmm. is that you have is who owns the diff who owns the means of production. Um. <coughs> that that term was kind of coined a lot you know it was made famous by Marx because that was like his theory of history right is you have its periods of history are marked by changes in the who owns the means of production Uh there's always been two classes there's the owners and then the workers yeah and then in each in each mode of production you have differences in who owns the means so like in feudalism Mm -hmm. the Mm -hmm. means of production were land Because it was all, you know, fuel is all like agricultural based. Right. So the owners were the landowners and then the peasants were
0: the workers. Mm, Okay.
1: And then, um, under like a slave society, because the means of production were manual labor. The owners were the owners and the slaves and the workers were the slaves. Okay. So in capitalism, it's facilities and, you know, that kind of stuff. Okay. Yeah. The owners of businesses. Yeah. Uh, trade, uh, the action of buying and selling goods and services, um, That's pretty simple.
0: Right. Trade. Trade. Trade.
1: So here's where it gets a little bit um, more, I guess, theoretical or a little more convoluted is. So you have absolute advantage versus comparative advantage. Have you heard heard either of these terms before? Okay. So absolute advantage uh, is the simplest yardstick of economic performance. If one person, firm or country, can produce more of something with the same amount of effort and resources, they have an absolute advantage over other producers. Being the best at something does not mean that that doing that thing is the best to use your scarce economic resources. The question of what is, what to specialize in and how to maximize the benefits from international trade is best decided according to comparative advantage, but both absolute and comparative advantage may change significantly over time. So what this means is like the United States has the absolute advantage in just about anything. Mm -hmm. It means it can make more of something than basically anybody else. Okay. But is that the most efficient use of its resources think about opportunity cost right right so what is what does the united states give up to make a bunch of rinky dink toys in mm-hmm. nike shoes and mm-hmm. high produ- like high manufacture like high production manufacturing stuff yeah versus using its resources its manpower um its natural resources to build higher product like more expensive goods like tech okay um intellectual property right finance right that kind of stuff so um, that's where like the united states could make all of that itself mm-hmm. but think about how inefficient that would be trying to have in a completely isolated self-sufficient economy right. you'd be having to use you'd have to you'd be wasting a ton of your national resources just to try to make where you'd be better off trading to a company that has a, that has like china mm-hmm. that has the comparative advantage in high production manufacturing because right. they're ch- they're doing it for cheaper than it would cost for you to do that for sure it's, you, get, you yeah, get between comparative yeah, yeah. advantage and absolute advantage. Comparative yeah. advantage is when you have, you can make something f- cheaper than your competitor can make it. Okay. So your, your opportunity cost is less right. for making that product. Okay. Okay. Um, Okay. So why is, th- so why would you just asking just for you to mm-hmm. theorize, like, what do you think, why is the distinction between comparative, and advantage, comparative advantage and absolute advantage important? Like, what does this mean for us trade policy? Mm-hmm. So if you're like, if you're, if you're Trump, and you're sitting there and you're like, I need to come up like I'm I'm trying to formulate a trade policy. Right. Um, And I'm thinking about absolute advantage and comparative advantage. And how do you think that goes about in his (laughs) (laughs) decision-making?
0: No idea. Okay. Um, Well, we know that we've talked about, he's kind of an isolationist. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, he, this idea of trade isn't really something that he's, well, it is something that he's concerned with, but it's, I don't think he's looking at it correctly as far as like production, whether he he thinks that this idea of production, I think, is production is benefiting other places more than it's benefiting us. Let's produce it here so that it, you know what I mean, so Mm -hmm. that it puts back into what we have here.
1: For sure. And And that's a very that was a very common held economic belief in the 1500s. (laughs) right <laughs> uh, <it's laughs> yeah in under under a system called mercantilism and that was a um an economic uh, theory that became kind of political economy what that means is the kind of um ideology that a government uses within its own economy that's when they c- when they say political economy like socialism mm-hmm. when you have socialism implemented in your state that's mm-hmm. your political economy is like a socialist economy okay or capitalism or okay. mercantilism whatever so we'll get into the definite We'll get into differences in history of mercantilism, so capitalism, socialism, social democracy in another another episode. Okay. But I think wh- what I want to do with this is just to get a framework for some of the basic economic definitions, mm-hmm. so people have an uh, I have an understanding of uh, of
0: terminology that I'm that I'm using. Right, and also where where y- we're coming from in some of these discussions.
1: So when I say something, you guys know what I mean. Right. Yeah. So. Globalization is yeah. another um, is another term that's thrown around, and there's a lot of times there's a negative connotation with mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. Um, but in just the definition of it: globalization refers to the tendency of international trade, investment, information, technology, and outsourced manufacturing to weave the economic. Economies of diverse countries together. Mm-hmm. In business and finance, it primarily refers to the economic integration of global markets. But the term is also used to describe social cultural integration among countries. Yeah. Altogether, globalization has had the effect of markedly increasing both international trade and cultural exchange. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, what are some? What do you think are some some advantages and disadvantages of uh, of globalism? Uh,
0: I think maybe I think one term that kind of encaps encapsulates both of them mm-hmm. is the opportunity cost. Yeah. So they could either be positive or negative. For sure. Um you could have social or socioeconomic consequences that hurt a, pl- a place mm-hmm. um due to globalization and maybe a company coming in and I don't know, you have examples of industry coming into a region um, that doesn't have the same Let's use environment, Um, environmental um, protection laws in place. And they and sometimes those industries and those companies exploit that um, and don't necessarily take the care that they should. Mm -hmm. Um, That's only one example I can think of. For sure.
1: I mean, uh, and that's uh, and it's that's a very good example, Mm -hmm. because that's kind of the examples that I, I drove up is like so advantages that I wrote i jotted down was proponents say that globalization helps developing countries right catch up to industrialized nations uh-huh. much faster creating jobs developing manufacturing diversifying and expanding their economies mm-hmm. um and just kind of increasing the overall standard of living by western standards by western so standards, we can yeah. we can obviously debate like are the the um you know the nomadic tribes in Africa better off when they become iPads. civilized <laughs> and they go and work in yeah you know, they they go and now they live in a sedentary lifestyle in a in a right. city. Are they better off now that they're at the bottom yeah. of the socio socioeconomic chain yeah. in a Western style economy, or are they better off living the way they were right as they had been kind of?
0: I think that's more where the, or less where the problem lies: is people making those decisions. Yeah, for exactly,
1: and but can that be reconciled with a fat, with a growing globalized economy?
0: Oof, I don't yeah. know. I mean, that's
1: a big question, yeah, right? Like that's, that's a huge that's, question. That's I mean, that people who who are absolutely against globalization, a lot right. of our professors, yeah. you know, point to this is basically just new age imperialism, right? And um, sure. and so you, can... I think
0: there are fair arguments in that there definitely are, yeah. but there's
1: also fair arguments that the the standard of living for uh,
0: around the world around the world is yeah. higher, yeah
1: but then i mean what's your what's your measuring stick f- for exactly that? so That's it, the it's the measuring
0: stick is the issue i think
1: yeah yeah all right so um, so disadvantages is when countries bec- uh, countries become uh, intertwined um, you have economic downturns in one country can can cross borders and affect economies in, in other countries. Right. You right. see that with the economic downturn of 2008. Yeah. Right. And you see how many, that, that was a global crisis. That right. wasn't just in the United States. I think sometimes we forget that. Yeah. It's the same oh, yeah, thing with the great sure. depression, like with our, with the dust bowl in the 1930s, mm-hmm. that was global. Right. Like that was, that was in large part caused by, um, you know, Britain and Germany's economies completely tanking and mm-hmm. that affected the United States wheat, pr- you know, wheat production. Right. So, um, Critics argue that the interdependency threatens to weaken multiple co- multiple countries and economies through a domino effect when mm-hmm. a problem arises. Mm-hmm. Um, also, another common criticism of globalization is that it has disproportionately benefited corporations in the Western world, right. enhancing wealth disparity. Uh, the rich get richer, while the poor get poorer. Right. And you've got th- one of the arguments of like neo imperialism is that you've got these countries like you know, say any of the like the southeastern you know like, like bangladesh okay. right and they become they're making all of america's all of the western products that they're buying yeah like nike shoes or whatever and they're not seeing any sort of wage increases uh-huh and they're basically just stuck in they're a cog in the wheel of like this globalization like, this global economy mm-hmm. but they're stuck at the lowest rungs making making products that's not going to make their country richer right by any means. Right. You so I mean, instead of yeah. selling cars, they're selling, you know, trinkets. Right. So it's, they're, they're always going to be at the bottom of the ladder unless they have some natural resources that they can then right. exploit.
0: Well, and, and like your example of shoes, like at cost, those are cheap to make. Yeah. But when they're sold, they're marked up like a ridiculous. Exactly.
1: Summer. And who gets the profits right. from that? Yeah. So, uh, then we're going to get into uh, you know privatization. Mm-hmm. So that's basically just a transfer of ownership, property, or business from the government to the private sector. Um, the government ceases to be the owner of the entity or business. Yeah. So you just have instead of the government owning it, you've got private and sure. Enterprise owning yeah. it. Nationalization is just the reverse of that process. You've okay. Got, you've got um, a, a country that um, then a, you know a state government that takes over. Um, the production of a certain sector of their economy or the entire right economy you see that a lot in energy production like when right. venezuela nationalized its oil res- its oil reserves mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and booted out all the american oil companies
0: i think healthcare is a good example too as well
1: yeah. yeah so it's you see it a lot it's like it's either countries that whose primary source of wealth is generally energy and you see that in a lot of third world countries who mm-hmm. who use nationalization as a means to try to ward off foreign uh, invest and try to ward off, ward off foreign interference in their for in sure. their government but then you, you see also see but you also see it as a consolidation of wealth among the powerful in that country too yeah I mean yeah. Uh, Hugo Chavez for did sure. that with his oil um,
0: okay yeah yeah
1: so uh, with with oil and right um, you're seeing a lot of ramifications from that yeah so for sure. so there's obviously you know advantages and disadvantages yeah, what are your for opportunity sure. cost and but then you also see nationalization um in a benevolent way where you've got a state who's mostly concerned with uh equity of something right if you got if you have a running water issue Mm -hmm. are you going to rely on that the benevolence and the self-interest of a private company or is the state going to step in and and worry about how you're going to get water in an efficient in in a in a, in a manner to be able to get to everybody in your state right. nation equally. right equally mm-hmm. if they can't afford to pay for it or not right but you're trying to look out for the betterment of your of your country as a yeah. whole yeah so okay. so sometimes for in that efficiency versus equity mm-hmm. debate sometimes the state stepping in on the side of equity okay. is, is necessary right kind of get what i mean yeah that's kind sure. of the fundamental. Uh, Argument of Keynesian economics uh-huh. is that at some times the government needs to st- does need to step in in a certain way, uh-huh. maybe not take a, maybe not take complete control, right. but through taxation and the heavy hand of the government can force private ownership to make certain decisions that are not necessarily
0: efficient, regulated in a way,
1: regulated in a way that not necessarily efficient, but it's equitable. Right? Okay. You know, okay. All right. So, uh, public sector. Uh, the part of national, the part of the national economy that provides basic goods or services that are not or cannot equitably be provided by the s- by the private sector, it consists of national and local governments, their agencies, and their chartered bodies. Think about like bureaucracy, mm-hmm. right? Like the CIA, right? That c- if that was a private entity, right? What is the <laughs> what are the ramifications <laughs> yeah. of that, right? So it's a public, it's a public good, uh-huh. like the intelligence, national intelligence right. sector is is generally a public good for sure. So you're would it be more efficient if it was in the, it was a in private hands? Right. It may or may not be. Right. I just think of. The but I think we want some public oversight yes. over our national
0: intelligence, so we would sacrifice. I just think of the uh, my my instant reaction was like a thought of like uh, the criticism. So the criticism that it faces now, I can't imagine what it would face if it was a private entity. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. For sure, because you th- you assume like in a democratic and a lot of this can be mitigated a lot of this public versus private sector argument is mitigated by a democratic society because you have that ability to watch the watchers. Right. You've right. got the, you got government con- you've got a government funded, you know, bureaucracy. Yeah. That is handling very sensitive material. Well, through our elected officials and mm-hmm. our democratic process, we have some check on that. Yes. Whereas if it was a private company, yeah. How we're, other than buying their goods or services, right. how else are we able to curtail certain?
0: We would depend on the government to check them.
1: Which is why you end up with, with economies that are, are you know completely mixed. There's not right. a true. There's never been a true, you know, complete laissez-faire economy. Right. Right. There's never been a true socialist by yeah. the def true definitions they're obviously mi- they most economies are at s- in some way mixed mm-hmm. at different levels of state control versus privatization sure. um so then we get into something that's a more a little more relevant to our times maybe not relevant but just something that's constantly talked about because of the president's use of tariffs is protectionism yeah and the theory or this is the theory or practice of shielding a company's domestic industries from a foreign com- competition by taxing imports okay um who pays those? Who pays that tax? I think is a common misconception. Yes, I think a lot of people think that tariffs is something that the, a foreign nation pays.
0: I'm going to be honest; I thought that's how it worked.
1: Yeah, yeah. And John Oliver rightfully pointed out that yeah. it's, it's actually it's the it's the domestic consumer in your own in which your own makes country, sense. The importer, yeah, that pays the tax.
0: If you're buying an imported product, you're paying a tax on it. Yeah. So and if you're it a pri- so
1: if you're a private company,
0: and you're having to pay
1: an additional tax to bring a good in, mm-hmm. that good that price is then going to be transferred on because you guys still got to make your margins right so either the owner of the company takes a hit and has to go to the stockholders and say like i'm not making any adjustments we're just going to have to do with less well that's not going to fly right um so so you pass it on to the consumer so it raises the internet It leaves what's called the global price right so a domestic price is generally more um Attractive. You know, attractive because right. they can sell below that global price, it kills their competition. For sure. Think about comparative advantage and absolute advantage. Mm-hmm. When you if if when you start taxation, when you start taxing if a company if you're taxing imports right. from a company that has a comparative advantage in a particular industry, mm-hmm. you're you're actually causing inefficiency in your own markets because right. you're specializing in stuff that you don't have the comparative advantage in. It creates a natural inefficiency. Right. So over time that's going to hurt the economy both on the supply side, but by also raising prices for the consumer, you mm-hmm. hurt their purchasing mm-hmm. power. And over time, in the long run, mm-hmm. that is going to cause the collapse. You know, it's going to cause major economic downturn. For sure. It's why mercantilism, mm-hmm. which is fully based on privatization and monopolization, mm-hmm. over time yes, in the short run it created massive amounts of wealth for the monarchies right. of Europe. Right. But over time it was it was unsustainable, right? Because and they were able to float mercantilism a lot more mm-hmm. because of colonization. They had right. co- they had captured markets yes. where they didn't have to compete with raw resources. Right, they could exactly. go. They just went over and colonized a place in Africa okay. or in Southeast Asia yeah. and just exported yes. the resources, right? And then sold them back to those. To those uh, popula, those indigenous populations at mm-hmm. inflated prices. Right. So they had they had ways to keep domestic price low, mm-hmm. and had and had and because they could also just get cheap resources through colonization. Right. Well, there's no more colonization anymore. Yeah. So, Trump's policies, mm-hmm. being very at their basic definite and kind of just. At their base level, is mm-hmm. very mercantilist. Is mm-hmm. protectionist policies right. are going to the glaring weakness of those is going to rear its ugly head much faster than it did in the 1500s, 1800s, just oh. because of the globalization of our of the of the world economy, right, right, and also because we don't have colonies, <laughs> right, so, exactly. So there's no way to mitigate those uh, those those market forces for sure. Um, and then, so protectionism is is most. Seen in the way of tariffs, uh-huh. like that's how they manifest how protectionism manifests the most, and we just talked about that. Right. So it's it's a you know it's a tax that an importer pays yeah. when um to the government when they want to import a foreign um, product product. Yeah. yeah. So then we have a monopoly, um, which mm-hmm. is the exclusive possession of or control of the supply or trade in a commodity or service. So right. if you're the only person who's selling a phone, like right. so, say Apple bought out Android, and they bought out anybody else that could make phones, and they're the only ones that are making phones they would have a a monopoly.
0: And you and I had a conversation about monopoly on, like, social media platforms, Mm -hmm. like YouTube and Facebook and uh, Instagram and Twitter even, and how WhatsApp was bought by Facebook. Yeah. Um, So here's an up-and-coming product that is just consumed and bought by a larger one. Yes. To take over everything that they have. Mm
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so in the United States you can be a monopoly you just can't act like a monopoly mm-hmm. if you come to, if you become a monopoly in what's like if you're a natural monopoly that means you just you're in a sector where the um, the cost of getting into that market is so high that nobody else can and you're already so powerful that okay. you just buy them up anyway yeah like you see that with with internet. Um, internet providers. There's okay. only so many people who can afford the infrastructure right. to make to uh, in all of like the Ethernet, like the just the. I don't I don't know anything about the internet, but the amount of infrastructure it takes to be able to get high speed internet, the satellites that it takes right. to get inter- you know satellite internet, yes. all that kind of stuff. It's very limited market for sure. So over time, as long as those companies aren't colluding with each other to price fix, the mm-hmm. few that are still there, mm-hmm. they're n- they're not considered monopolies. Okay. If you have, but if once they start price fixing, that's right. when the antitrust laws can come in and, bre- and break that up and okay. penalize those companies for doing that. Comcast got mm-hmm. caught slowing internet purposefully to try to raise prices. Right, that's a, that's an artificial way of trying to manipulate prices. Mm-hmm. That gets you fined for sure. So okay, um, but if you're if you're a company who naturally if you're who naturally becomes a monopoly, so say. Um, Comcast was able to buy it. All the other internet providers, but they did that in a way that didn't like collude, or you didn't, make right. Or they couldn't prove collusion. Right. You're not going to get, pe- you're not going to be penalized. Right. But that's one of the biggest fears of a capitalist economy is that you end up having so much vertical interg- integration uh-huh. that you end up having four or five owners of every of every major, uh, basically four or five owners that own the entire means of production in, sure. uh, in every market. Right. So I mean, that's that's what Marx was. That's what his biggest Uh, critique was of capitalism because that's what he was that's what he was seeing in mid-19th century england Mm -hmm. was Mm -hmm. this very vertical integration high amounts of inequality that's what happens when you have that's the when you have a rampant out of you know when you have market a market economy that is completely laissez-faire which is why keynes would then come back and argue well in order for so in order for capitalism to survive you have to have some government regulation you have to you have to keep you have to keep capitalism in free markets which is based on competition you have to be able to keep an environment that allows for competition right and as we become a more technologically advanced society Mm -hmm. the need for keeping true competition in the marketplace is even more important and really can only be effectively done by the heavy hand of the government Mm -hmm.
0: i was thinking about like uh, just this uh in media you have kind of the same groups kind of owning and controlling things Mm -hmm. um and I just think that, that that's an interesting that's an interesting thing that people consume. Yes. Because it's not a tangible consumption; it's not something that you hold or you have. But people are choosing to use things. You know what I mean? Yes. I just think that's interesting. Yeah. Just pointing that out. No, it, it, <laughs> I mean
1: it. it it's, it's super interesting to think about because like we're not the p- the. In order to pay-to-play in these markets right. have not has never been more expensive mm-hmm. in a lot of mm-hmm.
0: ways. Mm-hmm. Well, like so YouTube. The only other option I can think of is Vimeo. Other yeah. than that, there's nothing else.
1: Exactly. So really, YouTube has a monopoly on right. that particular market.
0: And that's because people are choosing to use that. Yes. And same with Facebook. Mm-hmm. You had MySpace, but people chose... To move to but Facebook. Facebook
1: also has the power to then buy up any competition exactly. because they're
0: so much more powerful any new
1: comer into the market is already mounting such a you know herculean right uh, effort to try yes. to compete at that level. So um, at what point is government necessary to step in and be like you know this is you know this isn't equitable anymore like So what are
0: the consequences of Facebook having the power and control over a social media platform?
1: Well there's a, I mean a ton of extra you know externalities mm-hmm. with that. You've got um um you know their data mining and everything that they can do with their platform with no checks, right? If if why are people still knowing everything that Facebook has done to them yes like as an individual and as into society, mm-hmm. why are they still staying there? Because there's no viable option. Right. There's no real other viable option to go and complain about politics right or to post a selfie because they also own Instagram right right do so they? do they own I think they I own. don't know I'm pretty sure okay well I don't know they own a lot of different right uh, don't they own Snapchat
0: maybe okay I will say that they own the
1: majority do. of the most famous social media sites right. there's very little competition of any for sure so okay it, it there's not there's obviously there's not true competition in the social media right um Sphere. Right. Some other monopolies you can see, like where we don't normally wouldn't something we normally think about is think about public public trans- public transportation, with like TriMet, um, CTRAN. Okay. The government allows that's that's the other type of monopoly is a is a monopoly that an- that the government allows. It's basically like a chartered company right. that's that's given the power to operate um, as a monopoly in its particular market with equity in mind. So think about like. That's interesting obviously, C-Tran is not making money right, but it's a public good mm-hmm. and the government f- you know feels that it needs to allow for this super inefficient company mm-hmm. to be able to drive buses around the city to yeah. pick up people who need it because it's a it's a need that those people have
0: is it a private entity
1: it is it has private owner it is it is it makes a lot of its decisions. Separate from the government, but it is a um, but it is a government fund. I mean, it, it's, it's a government subsidized. OK. Monopoly.
0: OK. Yeah. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I didn't know that.
1: Yep. So um, then we get into welfare state. This mm-hmm. has got all sorts of traps in it, right? Okay. So you, people hear welfare state, and you get me from 2010 talking right. about how everybody's lazy and doesn't want <laughs> to work. We just want everything for free. Exactly. So welfare state is a system where the government protects the health and well-being of its citizens, especially those in financial or social need, right. by means of grants, pensions, and other benefits paid for by government re- revenue, which is taxes. Mm-hmm. Is this socialist? A lot of people like to throw this as socialist. Uh-huh. Is it? Is it wealth redistribution? Yes, it is. But yeah. does that does that make it socialist? I would argue no. Okay, but Why? what do you
0: think? Why do you argue no?
1: Because it's still, because the means of production still aren't owned by the government.
0: Okay, so like like anything else that you had like you had said earlier, not any um, economy has been entirely socialist or entirely um, laissez-faire. I don't think that these programs or these, um, yeah, these programs are entirely socialist. They have socialist elements to them, but I don't think it's entirely socialist. There are, I
1: mean, there are characteristics that overlap, right. but that doesn't make it socialist, right? Um, maybe, maybe it
0: gets termed that way because they are social programs. Yeah, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying. So people are just like, it's it's it is socialism. Well, they're social programs. Yes. Hmm.
1: Yeah, and even. I'm going to read this here really quick. Yeah. Um, something I jotted down that I thought was a really interesting quote. Uh, Corporations are creators of the state and therefore must be watched closely by the citizenry due to their propensity to disrupt a spontaneous order. So it's basically saying that there is a need for government mm-hmm. to make sure capitalism doesn't implode upon itself. Right. So that's basically my argument is like, so some of these programs mm-hmm. to... to um, to not overly punish losers in a, in the natural losers in a business cycle. Okay. There's going to be people who technol- technology moves on from their industry and their industry is all of a sudden shut down and they don't have a job anymore. For sure. So what, what is there to take care of somebody who did who didn't necessarily do anything to lose their job it just the economy moved past them right like a
0: floppy disk factory <laughs> exactly <laughs>
1: or a candle maker when edison invented the light bulb right. like what like what is there to keep those people from just completely falling out of society and then you lose the benefit of those people being engaged in society you yeah. lose their tax revenue you lose everything For sure. so what do you like what so what is appropriate in each each country has their own way of defining what is appropriate and how mm-hmm. much should be spent on these social programs but i think we can i think most rational people understand that there is a need for the ba- for these um, these social programs right. at a basic level and yes. how much we want to spend on those is arguable right. but i think trying to completely cut them is 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 almost cutting off your own nose despite your face for sure in in these attacks by the trump administration on these two um, to try to undercut these welfare programs mm-hmm. is just honestly just going to hurt the very people that he's saying he's trying to help. Right. And so that's why I would say it's not socialist because I think um it's n- it's necessary for capitalism mm-hmm. to
0: That's interesting. And and
1: and, and 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 I think most capitalist theorists that I've read whether it's Smith or um some of these other guys that I've read recently and none of them are arguing that the government has no role necessarily in yeah. in any of the, like at all in the economy. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't. I don't think it, uh, that's a long winded answer of saying, right. "No, I don't think it's socialist." Well,
0: and I think that the argument you made of industry moving on past something, mm-hmm. I think that that is one that gets lost in this argument. I don't think people talk about that enough. It's more specified to like, oh, somebody lost their job and they need a bailout. That's the argument. People aren't thinking about that larger context of like, what if something becomes obsolete and the industry or the society moves on from it. I think that's a very interesting argument that doesn't get made. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I think it's something that needs to be pointed out much more often. For sure. Yeah. So I, I just had a question. Like, uh, I guess just, just want to make a statement. It's like, when did the modern warf- uh, welfare state begin in the United States? Uh-huh. I mean, 1930s under FDR. Right. Um, is it necessary or does it hurt an economy in the long run? I think I kind of alluded to that, but yeah. I mean, what do you think? It's necessary. Yeah i mean, would say so
0: too th- uh i've heard some bizarre arguments of kind of alternative alternative motives of why they created it in the 30s um for just manipulating the the people for whatever that's reason a glenn
1: that. beck argument is it yeah that's okay. something he makes all the time interesting yeah. so i
0: don't watch glenn beck but i've heard that mm-hmm. argument made yeah. somewhere um so but i think that you i mean we read that book uh what is it? The hardest time, or the hardest times? The Dust Bowl book. Yeah, and they really focused on the economy of the United States during that time, and and kind of establishing these social programs and mm-hmm. how the idea was to jumpstart and kind of correct the course of the U.S. economy. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I think it's I think it's necessary. Yeah.
1: Um, the goal of the welf- welfare state. So you're basically you're sacrificing periods of high amounts of growth because mm-hmm. anytime you're having you're you're taxing you're going to have inefficiency you're right. causing inefficiency in the market by taxing mm-hmm. and the more you tax corporations the the less that they have to reinvest in their own in their own co- companies and everything right. like that they just have less disposable income to spend mm-hmm. but um but you're you're gaining long-run stability right you ha- you're you're not going to have us like a because eventually those <laughs> the the peasants, the workers of an economy, are going to become so dissatisfied by this growing inequality yes. that they're going to overthrow the means of... <laughs> they're going to fulfill... You can almost argue they're going to fulfill the Marxist means of production, um, the Marxist theory that eventually workers will rise up and overthrow the and take over the means of production. Right. Because they're so dissatisfied. Right. So there's... In order for capitalism, which I think is the most efficient way of, of, of wealth growth mm-hmm. and just on the base level making... Um, making the uh, making lives just for you know just about everybody better. Right. Um, in order for it to survive, you almost you have to have some of this. You sell you have to have some of these social programs. So it's just it's just yes. a necessity. Um. Instead of periods of six percent growth, um, I mean you're just you're, and then six or seven percent recessions. These high. Know, swings. Tr- uh, swings yeah. You know, swings p- and high peaks, low troughs. Yeah, that creates just so much instability. Mm-hmm. You're talking about a gradual one to two percent growth over a long period of time. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you don't see these big booms, right? But you don't see these big falls either. Yes. Okay. And that—that's—that's that's the kind of the um, just the thought process behind some of this government, behind some of this minimal government intervention in the economy. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about a complete socialist takeover right. here, right? But so there th-
0: is a nece- necessity for government intervention sometimes
1: i would say i would say i mean i would say so and that's yeah. somebody who's a republican right saying that i mean it's it's not i mean that's why you see that's why you saw it under uh eisenhower mm-hmm. you saw taxation up to 70 percent right of uh, uh they had the, the corporate tax rate was at 70 percent under eisenhower right. that's a republican president yeah so i mean this uh it's not necessarily something that's just a Republican or democratic issue. It's right. I mean, it's something I think both sides have recognized for a long period of time, but now we're, we're forgetting that historical for precedent sure. with this current administration. Yeah. Just another area where he, you know, is bucking norms. Um, at the, at the individual level, just another note, uh, mm-hmm. at the individual level the welfare state also helps stem effects of the business cycle in market economies, which generally create technical, technological innovation. Workers can quickly find themselves out of a job for no other reason than the shifts in the, to, oh God! There's there it is again. Hmm. I just re- I'm reading ahead of my notes. <laughs> um, if uh, oh I'm talking ahead of my notes. Right. Um, but yeah, so that's basically kind of my. Um, uh, that's basically just kind of my
0: um, outline of my outline of it. And, and yeah. oh, there's
1: another there's another um, part of the welfare state. It's not necessarily like technology gets you out of a job, right. but if you're like a high skilled artisan, mm-hmm. right. And you're, you really pride yourself in making chairs. Mm-hmm. And in your own little area of, of where you live, you, you're you the only chair manufacturer. So you have a pretty decent living wage. Mm-hmm. Well, what happens when some big, gigantic corporation plops its business right down right. next to you and starts selling chairs at a much lower cost? Right. Yeah, they're not the same quality. But po- people are not w- no longer willing to spend the amount of money on a high-quality chair because they right. can get a chair for much cheaper that's mm-hmm. serviceable. You are now... Either you're you're either left to try to find another high skill labor job, mm-hmm. which is becoming increasingly more difficult, right? Or you can go into the low wage working, right? You you can still get a job, but now you're going to be at a much lower pay scale, right? And how in the life you've been living, now you're going to make sacrifices across mm-hmm. the board. That's that's another area where the welfare state can help out. Mm-hmm. It can stem. It can kind of stem that um, that shock that you receive from technological innovation or growth in the economy towards more high production manufacturing until you can find another high until you can really kind of go and find another high school job
0: right so that's interesting because what i'm thinking about is like the 2008 collapse and i remember this kind of conversation and 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 knowing people who were saying who were losing opportunities in the workforce to then say i'm going to go back to school yeah. And I think that's an interesting uh-huh. That's kind of supporting what you're saying. Like, there's no longer opportunities here. So now they're going to get an education to hopefully move into a different market or, or different occupation.
1: Yeah, exactly. And then keep uh, keeping their same level of livelihood. Right. Yeah.
0: Interesting. Because mm-hmm. I remember that I, I think there was quite a big push of people going back to school after that.
1: It's, retrain- it's retrainment. Right. You just have to have retrainment in an economy, mm-hmm. in a in a capitalist economy, you just have to have people who are constantly, um, because they're going to be constantly moving jobs, right, as markets fluctuate. Yeah, for sure. So Interesting. It's it it is. I think at the end of the day, it just it, it is. We just keep harping on this, but it it is necessary. So yeah. when when people are talking about, um, you know, should you know, th- we can get into normative arguments like should should college be free or should... Right. Um, that's not what we're talking about here. Yeah. Like, but we're just talking at the base level, the base mm-hmm. definitions of mm-hmm. what the welfare state is. For sure. Not trying to get into any normative statements about right. it. is it... Or it, it's not socialist. That's what I'm trying to point out mm-hmm. is like, this isn't some like government conspiracy takeover to all of a sudden like make us all like subjects of the state. Like yeah. th- these there's so much that gets attributed to these definitions that's just not part of it or doesn't have I to agree. be part of it I agree and we can have these programs that you know with we need calling them socialists completely undercuts the importance of them right or undercuts what the ideology is behind that
0: welfare state like why do you say that? Why do Colin, you say that it undercuts it?
1: Because there's such because socialism. We talked about this lepo- last episode. Was socialism is just a non-starter in the American political okay. like culture. Right. As soon as you say something socialist, it's dead to like 50. Right. Whether it is or isn't, they're not willing willing to listen because they don't want to be branded socialist.
0: Okay, but then you could argue that those, um, labeling those things socialist to some could be a tactic to end them.
1: That too, yeah. Sure. I'm yeah. just thinking out loud, yeah. but yeah. Either not get them off the ground or completely end them. Right, yeah. right. Even though the people that they're gonna, even though the people that they have to convince that they're socialist, right. By doing away with those are mm-hmm. the ones that are going to be more like
0: disproportionately affected for sure. <laughs> yeah. Democracy, participate. Yeah, uh, there's <laughs> another, there's another
1: quote um, here that uh, capitalism. Uh, Capitalism is a uh, is a is a necessary condition for other freedoms in a, uh, in, a in a in a society, mm-hmm. but it's not in and of itself a, a a sufficient condition. That means like capitalism by itself mm-hmm. can't um, give you all can't spread freedom to, to the entire society. Right. But in order for a society to be free, it needs to have indiv- individuals need to have their own economic choice. Interesting in order for to be in order to be have the most amount of freedom in a country right. you have to have your own economic choices which just is, is not available in a command economy right that's my fundamental one of my fundamental disagreements with socialism mm-hmm, is, mm-hmm. is that individuals should have the means to allocate the resources in ways that they see fit in their own choices and their sure. own preferences for sure and capitalism allows the, is the is the best vehicle that we have available at the moment mm-hmm. until something else comes along right for that to happen okay i think
0: that's fair yeah all right, dude. Well, I think that that was super helpful, not just for me, but hopefully for our listeners. Because, like I said, I've never taken an economics class, and a lot of these terms I hear, I maybe have a broad general idea of what it is, but also, like I've said, I had a misunderstanding of some of those terms. Okay. So I think that that's I think that's helpful, and I appreciate you sharing that.
1: Well, I'm glad I could be <laughs> of assistance in some way.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, well. Thank you, Jake. This has been fun. Um, do you have anything else you want to add? Nope, I think we're <laughs> good. <laughs> All right, guys. As always, thank you for listening. Uh, follow us on social media, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Yes? Yes. And again, as always, thank you for listening. Um, have a good week. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Tell me, doctor, where are we at?